Welcome to Liquid Church Media. The message you're about to enjoy was originally delivered live at Liquid Church by Pastor Tim Lucas. For more content, log on to liquidchurch.com or visit one of our campuses in the New Jersey metro area. Liquidchurch.com, where truth is relevant and grace wins. Welcome to New Brunswick, Nutley, and Mountainside. Good to see you guys. Glad you're with us today. Part three of Modern Love. Uh, and today we're going to learn about love languages. How to say those magic words, I love you, five different ways to your significant other. Whether that's your wife or your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your spouse, your fiance. Quick show of hands, how many of you actually speak a foreign language? You are bilingual. Quick show of hands. Two languages, three languages, anybody? Okay, muy bien, amazing. I, I wish I was bilingual. I know somewhere, you know, Senora Marti is saying, oh, Timoteo, you know, should have paid his pension in high school Spanish. Because learning a foreign language really opens up a whole new world. I mean, just take those three simple words, right? I love you. There are multiple ways that you can say I love you in a foreign language. For instance, take a look here. Uh, the words te amo. Anybody know that says I love you in? Anybody know? Spanish. How about this one? Je t'aime. Anybody know that one? French, good. How about this one? Saranghai. Anybody? That is Korean. That's Korean. You hear that one? And then finally, this is actually how you say I love you in Italian. 
So that's, um, that's nice. Nothing says love like a heart shaved and a hairy back. Thank you. Don't send the emails. Hey, the truth is uh, this. There are five primary love languages that are really universal for every human being on the planet. And these five languages don't always use words to communicate love to your spouse or kids or significant other. This is the most practical message of our modern love series, and this concept really is revolutionary. I remember the first time that I read Gary Chapman's book, The Five Love Languages, years ago. He's a Christian marriage counselor, and he wrote this back in 1992. It sold over 10 million copies. It's been a perpetual bestseller on the New York Times list ever since. And the idea is so simple and easy to put into practice. It's really transformed relationships, saved marriages, and, and uh, even families transformed the dynamic. There's a lot of applications. And although Chapman kind of popularized the idea, he'd be the first one to tell you it's not really that original. In fact, he took it from the primary source of God's Word, the Bible. We put one on your seat today so you can grab that and open that up. This is really where we do our teaching from. This is very appropriate because God's Bible, it's really oftentimes called the divine romance or, or the book of love because it's the story of Scripture from Genesis to Revelation describing the length that God himself goes through to express his heart, his love, for all of humanity. It's really the pursuit of God across time to woo our hearts with divine love through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And in 1 John 4, here's what we read. It says this, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from who? From God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is, say it together, church, love. This is the only time in Scripture you will ever see an A equals B description of God. Did you know that? God has lots of qualities, right? He's all-powerful, he's all-knowing, he's all-present. But you will never see a verse that says God is power or God is knowledge. This is the only time you'll see God is, and it's love. In other words, it's his core characteristic. It's his essential character. So the Christian God we worship is literally defined by love. And it's not this sentimental, schmaltzy love. It's a sacrificial love that looks a lot like Jesus. Look what John says, continues this, it says in the verse, this is love, not that we loved God, it wasn't about us, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to, say that together, love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Love one another. This is one of the most frequently used phrases in the New Testament. In fact, there are over 100 love one another commands in the Gospels. It's not just a sentiment. It's a command. Why? Because as God's children, we're made in Daddy's image. And so love is supposed to be our number one identifying mark. They will know we are Christians by our politics, right? Or by our, no, by our love. It's our calling card, our badge as Christ followers. So how do we do this practically? How do we do this day in, day out as followers of Jesus who want to love our families well, want to love our spouses, our friends in a way that speaks their love language, that fills their emotional tank, not even with words per se, but in a way that touches their heart? As I said, there are really five love languages in all universally, and I'm going to introduce you briefly to each one. We're going to weave scripture throughout this as we look to the model of Jesus who was fluent actually in all five. So if you're taking notes, let me give you a quick overview of each one. You can kind of fill these in as we go, and then we'll come back and illustrate each one. The number one love language I want to begin with is called words of affirmation. Are you somebody who loves compliments and verbal praise? Because this love language 
uses words to appreciate, to show affection, to build up and encourage. Mark Twain once said, I can live for two months on one good compliment. If your spouse is verbal, he or she will probably need more, okay? Words of affirmation, love language one. Number two, acts of service. For these people, actions speak louder than words. You can talk all you want, but nothing gets my motor running more than when my husband does the dishes or takes out the recycling, hubba hubba, okay? Check something off the honey-do list. Words are cheap. Acts of service speak volumes. Love language number three, giving gifts. You know, for some people, it's really a tangible token. It doesn't have to be big or fancy, but it's something that says, hey, while we were apart, I was thinking of you. I, was, I had you on my mind. Giving gifts is a big deal to some people, but not as much to those who value quality time. Love language number four. I'm going to use an hourglass, and I'm going to turn this over to represent this because it is giving the gift of time. It's saying, I'm going to give you the gift of my undivided attention. It's investing the time to share thoughts face to face, actually. There's eye contact where our, our souls connect, and quality time is one of the most precious commodities in our fast-paced world. And then finally, there's number five, physical touch. Now, turn to the person next to you and give them some physical touch. Don't do that. No, 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 stop it, stop it. Don't do that, don't do that. To this person, nothing speaks more deeply, actually, than the holding hands, the, the pat on the back, the, the goodnight kiss. And guys, I know, what, I know what guys are thinking. This doesn't always mean sex, okay? It really is. It's the, it's the little social grooming, the arm around, the snuggling up. Children get this instinctively. They naturally covet embrace. But the truth is, so do many adults, both men and women. So these are the five core love languages, words of affirmation, acts of service, receiving gifts, quality time, and then physical touch. Do you know what yours is? You probably have an idea what your primary love language is, but here's my challenge. Do you know which language your spouse speaks as his or her primary language? See, this is the challenge. Most often in relationships, it's not the same as yours. God wired men and women differently, and so you have to learn to be bilingual. You actually, actually have to develop to speak a second language to communicate love to your partner. If you're a single person, do you know how your, your friends or your date communicates? Again, this has a broad application in a lot of areas, with your kids, with your family, even in the workplace, except for physical touch. <laughs> Most adults have a primary, number one, and then a secondary love language. And so here's what that means. If you want to touch the heart of your spouse, you'll have to learn to be bilingual. You will need to learn a second or third language that fills their emotional tank and allows you to fill that command to love one another in meaningful ways. Now, before we unpack each, here's what I want you to do. I want you to click your pen. Because if you look in your notes, I want you to circle which one of these you think is your primary love language based on that quick description. Again, you may value two or three of these, but which one do you think is your number one language, the way you receive love from somebody? Just circle that. And then if you're married or dating, or you're here as a couple, I want you to do something dangerous. I want you to put a star next to the one that you think is your partner's primary love language. Just put a little star next to it. Be careful, guys. If you're careless, you may see stars. No peeking, all right? Now go ahead and show it to your partner what you circled for yourself, and then what you starred for them, okay? Just take, take a minute to do that. And the question is, were you right? Because you may think it's one thing, but for Colleen and I, this little quiz was revealing. Because when I first saw these categories, I was like, no-brainer. Physical touch. Like a lot of guys, I appreciate a nice scalp massage. There's nothing I like better than when we crash on the couch, 
we turn on the TV and I lay my head in her lap and she goes like this. And she's the only person on the East Coast who can touch my hair and get away with it. I love it, all right? But surprise, surprise. Last week, we took a free online quiz at fivelovelanguages.com. We printed the link in the bulletin. It takes less than 10 minutes, totally free. You can do this whether you're married or single. They simply give you these A and B choices about what you prefer, and then you get a personal profile of your love language in priority order. And much to my surprise, my number one love language was not physical touch. It was actually words of affirmation. I got a ranking of 10, and physical touch was a close second, ranking of 9. I'll tell you what Kyle got in a minute. But it made me see this first category in a whole new light. Because when you think about words of affirmation, well, let me put it this way. King Solomon, author of Hebrew wisdom literature, author of Proverbs, the wise man, listen to what he said. The tongue has the power of what? Life and death. Words of affirmation are all about speaking life to your partner. Verbally affirming, praising, building them up with your words. Verbal praise is a powerful communicator of love. It's expressed in very simple, straightforward statements such as, hey, I love the way you play with the kids. You know, you're an amazing dad. Kids, call the fire department because your mom looks smoking hot tonight. That's amazing. <laughs> hey, thanks for getting a babysitter lined up for this weekend, you know? I want you to know, I don't take that for granted. You do that so elegantly. Can I ask, what would happen to the emotional climate of your relationship if both of you spoke and heard words of affirmation daily? The tongue has the power of life and death. If this is your primary love language, as it is mine, hearing the words I love you is nice, but when you hear the specific reasons behind that, your spirit soars. On the other hand, criticisms or insults can leave you shattered. Encouraging, affirming words truly lift, up, lift you up. And I'll admit it, when I first heard this description, I said, well, that doesn't make sense. Uh, to be honest, you know, most days I don't really care what people think. But then I re read that there was a dialect of love language known as simply encouragement. And we use that word for granted, but look at the word encourage. You know what it means? To pour courage into somebody. In other words, you speak a bold word that gives a fresh injection of courage into their soul and inspires them to reach their full potential. Colleen does that for me. Here's evidence, right? We just put out this little book, You Married the Wrong Person. You know what? I've been told for years, Tim, you should write a book. You know, when are you going to write a book? I was an English major. I had actually a concentration in journalism, so writing's always been like a passion for me. But I always would tell people, I'd be like, dude, I write a 20-page sermon every week, okay? Enough. That's enough. Thank you. And other pastors would say that, or publishers would say, you know, what, you want to write a book? But I ignored it for the last seven years because I was focused on preaching and building this church. But about a year ago, Colleen and I were away for a weekend, and we had no kids, so I was thinking clearly. And, uh, and she said, you know what, honey? She said, I think it's time you finally wrote a book. I said, really? She said, yeah, the kids are settled in school. You know, our marriage is, is, is doing well. And, and you have a gift. You, you, your words paint pictures that people can see. And I, I, think, I think you should share it. And I was like, really? You think so? And she said, I know so. She goes, and I'll help you. She said, if you need extra time, I'll actually watch the kids so you can get the ball rolling. Because I believe in you. I really believe in you, sweetheart. You can do this. Let me tell you. <laughs> Somewhere in my soul, like a flip switched, I wrote the outline for the book that first weekend. I got up several days early and weeks in a row to crank it out. And all of my fears, like, you know, hey, what if I don't have time? What if it sucks? Just sort of melted away. Catch this. My, my wife's words of encouragement literally gave me the courage to write the book that's the basis for the series. That's why I dedicated it to her. To Colleen, because I see Jesus more clearly because of you. 
No one else in my life has the power to light the fuse the way my spouse does. And I'm guessing it's the same for many of you. Most of you sitting in this room have more potential than you will ever develop in this lifetime. And every single one of us have areas that we feel insecure. We, we lack courage. We, we fear failure. Words of affirmation light the spark. Picture it like this. Your spouse has an unlit fuse, and there's an area of insecurity that is waiting for you, a spark of your words to ignite. Maybe your wife needs to enroll in a course to earn her degree or to get her certification as a trainer. Maybe he's going through a tough season at work and needs to know how much you appreciate his effort to pay the bills and provide for your family. Words of affirmation say the words, I love you, by saying, I believe in you. I see your sacrifice. I see what your potential is, and I am so proud of you. Uh, on the other hand, if your spouse has a critical tongue, it is toxic to the relationship. If you say to your wife, you know, hey, it'd be nice to have a home-cooked meal you know, now and then, you are poisoning the well. Literally, you're shooting yourself in the put, foot. Because sometimes our words say one thing, but our tone sends a double message. For instance, I was talking to one couple, and the wife wanted to, they had a big, he was out of work, and she was encouraging him to find another job. And she said, uh, you know, all I said to him was, sweetheart, don't you think it's time to find a job that pays more, you know? And she thinks she's encouraging him. But to him, it sounded like contempt, like it was very guilt-inducing. On the other hand, if he said, you know, I've been thinking about starting my own business or something, she can respond with words of affirmation that say, you know what, if you decide to do that, I can tell you one thing. I know you'll kill it. You're going to be a success because that's one of the things I love about you. When you set your mind to something, I know you will do it. And if that's what you want to do, I will support you 100%. Verbal praise is far more powerful than nagging words. The same guy who wrote this proverb, the tongue has the power of life and death, is the same guy who wrote Proverbs 21. Better to live in a desert than with a quarrelsome and nagging wife. <laughs> now, guys, don't, don't, don't put a star next to that. Like, that's my new memory verse, man. That's my memory verse. I'm not, I'm not suggesting you use flattery to manipulate your spouse, but when husbands and wives argue or become critical of one another, it doesn't matter how, like, macho the man seems or, like, how much of an alpha male, you know. This is what he feels like when the woman nags him, all right? This is it right here. So much for king of the jungle, okay? Tone matters, ladies. Just look at that, man. No matter how tough your guy is, you know, the wife who says, you know, do you think you'll have time to, to, to clean the gutters this weekend? Well, that's a loving request. But the minute you turn it, you know, if you don't get the gutters clean, they're going to fall off the roof, you know? There's trees growing out of them. You've ceased to love and become a domineering spouse. Words matter. Think about this. They can inspire your partner's potential and fill their tank or deflate him or intimidate her. So let me give you a challenge if you're like, that's my spouse. Words of affirmation. First thing is this. You make a list of your spouse's strengths. And, and, if, and if, if you, I want you to tell them at least once a day, specifically, what you appreciate about them. I mean, be specific. You know, I love how you always make time to read with the kids before bed, even when you're bone tired. Or you know what? You're really keeping up with the job search, and I know it's going to pay off for you. And secondly, do this. I want you to thank them for something they just do routinely and wouldn't expect to be complimented on. Like, hey, you know, every time it snows, you salt the walk and get up early and turn my car on. Thank you for that. Make a list, and it will transform the emotional climate of your marriage. When I described words of affirmation um, was my number one love language as a guy, I assumed it'd be the same uh, for Colleen, um, but not so much. <laughs> 
The love language of one person is actually typically not the one of the other. Love languages are part of your DNA. In other words, you're born with it, and they're typically imprinted and reinforced by the family that you grew up in. Now, I grew up in a very verbal home, uh, but Colleen grew up in one that, where actions spoke louder than words, and her primary love language is, number two, acts of service. Yes, this is a toilet brush. <laughs> and you may ask, like, are you serious? Can cleaning the toilet or, or vacuuming the floor really be an expression of love? My wife speaks for many when she says, yes, absolutely. Guys, this is my magic wand at home, okay? Anything you do that can ease the burden that's weighing on an acts of service person will speak love to them. The words they love to hear the most are, can I do that for you? Let me help with that. I think of the couple named Brad and Michelle. I want you to imagine Michelle sitting up you know, on, her, on her couch in her living room. She's typing away on her, on her laptop. And as she's doing it, she, she smiles because she can hear downstairs in the basement where her husband Brad is sorting the laundry. And she smiles because over the last four weeks, Brad has uh, cleaned their condo. He's uh, cooked dinner. He's run errands. Why? All because Michelle was working on her thesis for grad school. And it made her feel profoundly loved. See, acts of service means you do the things that will make your partner's life easier. And it doesn't actually have to be big. Most of the times it's real small stuff. It's emptying the dishwasher. It's changing the baby's diaper. It's picking up a prescription. It's keeping the car filled with gas, paying the bills, walking the dog, shoveling the walk. And all it requires is energy, effort, and follow-through. It's funny, because when Colin and I first started dating all those years ago, we were in college, and I didn't have much money, but I, you know, you could spare five bucks in college. And there was this cheap little, cheap old little convenience store by my apartment. And so every Friday after class, I would go and for five dollars, you could get a dozen mini roses. Not the full ones, the mini ones for five bucks, okay? And I thought, what girl doesn't want roses? So I, uh, I at first, Colleen was thrilled. I was like, these are few. She's like, Tim, these are beautiful. These are amazing. That is so thoughtful of you. And I was like, yeah. Next Friday, five bucks. I go get my roses, and I bring them to Colleen, and she's like, oh, roses. I was like, you like them, right? She's like, yeah, thank you. Okay, thank you. Guys, you know what happens if something works. <laughs> Once, twice, you do it a third time. So third week, I get a rose. She's like, thank you for those. What a surprise, you know? And I could see, like, kind of the impact was diminishing. And so, uh, you know, so I stopped doing roses, and the next Saturday, it was just so funny because her roommates and her, they were painting their apartment. And I showed up to help, and I was like, I was like, well, let me, I'll prime the room for you guys. And I primed it with my roller. I cut in on the trim and everything. Woof! You would have thought I painted the Sistine Chapel, man. Girlfriend was all over me. It was like, so I was like, forget the roses, forget that, man. Give me a paintbrush. It was when it clicked. That's when I discovered my wife's primary love language is acts of service, and that's how it is for a lot of men, women and men. And this is, should come, guys, as a second nature to those of us who are Christ followers. Remember, Jesus summed up his entire purpose of his life this way in Mark 10. He said, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Now, I want you to think about this. As Christians, our model for service is Jesus. He's King of kings. He's Lord of lords. And when he got his followers together in a room and said, I want to show you how much I love you, what did he do? He took off his outer garment and he got on his feet. And what did he do? He washed their feet, the dirtiest, smelliest, skankiest part of their body. He said, this is what love looks like. Men, that is your model when the baby is crying and needs his diaper changed. That's how you love your wife like Jesus. That's what a servant leader looks like. He cleans the table. He literally takes the, the stinky trash out. So if you're married, can I ask this? What would be three acts of service that you could do this week that you know 
would make your spouse feel loved? If they value acts of service above everything else, what could you do to fill their tank? Just jot down two or three ideas in your notes. I'm going to challenge you to do one this afternoon because it's Sunday, all right? <laughs> Last week I saw a great picture on Facebook from a, uh, a couple at our Mountainside campus who have been married 40 years. Take a look at this. Margie Keene posted this picture of her husband Tom standing next to a vacuum cleaner with the caption, love is helping with the house cleaning on Valentine's Day, all right? Now, I realize Tom doesn't have a huge smile on his face. I just want to acknowledge that, all right? But the man's been married 40 years, all right? So he knows a little something, guys. And ladies, if you, if, actually, let me speak to the guys before I go on about this. Guys, if you're going to express your love to an acts of service woman, you got to do it humbly. Don't act like you deserve a medal, okay? I saw another Facebook post that captures what a lot of guys do. A husband is someone who, after taking the trash out, gives the impression he just cleaned the whole house, right? Love doesn't make a big deal or draw attention to itself. You just love the girl and you let her love you back. Now, I'm going to, I have, <laughs> in my notes, I have the letters TMI, and I'm like, is this too much information? I'm going to say it anyway. Uh, in the Lucas home, okay, let me just tell you, okay, as a physical touch guy, when I'm interested in turning things on in the bedroom, you know what I do? I get busy in the kitchen. This is the first thing I do. I, I've stopped. I've stopped guessing, like, maybe tonight, you know? Now, what I do is I literally go in, I get the yellow gloves, man, and I start doing the dishes, and sooner than not, I feel this arms around my waist and the breath in my ear. Oh, I love a man with spandex, you know, on. This is how foreplay starts in Lucas' home with a snap of the yellow gloves, all right? It took me five years. That's too much information, right? See, some of you are like, you should have kept that to yourself. Uh, that's it. I just wish I had known acts of service was my wife's love language at the beginning. But guys, you got to follow through. The girl will call you on it. Actually, Kyle got me pretty good last week. She posted this picture on Instagram. Uh, it's a photo of our kitchen with a caption. Tim said, uh, kids, let's clean up. They happily said, okay, did this, and all went to relax in the living room. Hashtag, you married the wrong person. And you can see the dishwasher is open. The plates are piled high. You know, I had like all these good intentions, you know, but I lack the follow through. I blame, you know, my ADD. It's like, come on, kids, we're going to help. Is Shark Tank on? What? You know, kind of like, you got to follow through and uh, understand there's always a backside. Broken promises and laziness will cancel out all your goodwill. And so here's a challenge. Ask your partner tonight, today, what are three things you would love for me to do during this next month? And over the next three, three weeks, you just make them happen one after the other. You plan your strategy for a month of love and get ready to live with a happy spouse. Now, I'm going to move very quickly through love language number three, giving gifts, because it's self-explanatory, right? I mean, gifts are simply a visual symbol of love that says, while we were apart, I was thinking of you. It doesn't have to be big, doesn't have to be fancy or even cost any money. <laughs> One of the best call, gifts Kyle ever gave me was a framed picture of us hiking at our favorite place in Mohonk, you know? A gift is just something you hold in your hands and say, you know what, look, he, he was thinking of me. Or you know what, she, she remembered me, you know. Gifts come in all sizes, shapes, and colors. Some can be purchased, more, some of them found, and others, the meaningful ones, made. Most moms, if you're a mom, you remember the first day your child came in with a flower from the yard, even if it was a worthless dandelion, right? The husband who picks up a bird feather while he's out jogging and brings it home to his wife, that's expression of love. The wife who writes a letter to her husband, telling him how much she respects and admires him. That is a letter a guy will actually keep for life. I just got a few things on my, on my office shelf at home. I got a baseball, a signed Yankees baseball, because it was a gift from my dad. I got a Father's Day card that was written by my daughter, the picture. I got a framed picture from uh, our liquid water 5K uh, with some of our volunteers. That, that means a lot to me. 
all those gifts were so cheap, but they're precious to me because they're invisible tokens of people I care about. So don't make the mistake of thinking this love language is about materialism. It's as little to do with money and everything to do with thoughtfulness and effort that the gift represents. Now, it's funny. When Colin and I did the quiz, for both of us, this love language was dead last on our list. Right, for both of us. We're just not into stuff that much. We prefer time together, um, experiences like going out to eat or relaxing. So on Valentine's Day, we don't do jewelry. We don't do chocolates. We don't even really give gifts for birthdays. But husbands and wives whose primary love language is gifts, birthdays, anniversaries, special occasions are critical. Because the perfect gesture communicates, I know your heart. I understand you. And I extended myself to care for you. The best gift I ever received, you're going to laugh, five years ago, was a plain brown bag. And you're like, what's the big deal about that? Brown bag, brown handles, right? It's actually not very expensive either, canvas duffel bag. But Colleen got it for me one day. She came home uh, from the mall for no reason at all, right? It, meant, it actually means a lot to me. And the reason is because I never really actually had a, a guys like travel bags. So whenever I would fly somewhere, go somewhere on business, I would take whatever bag was available in our house. And because I got a wife who's super stylish and a daughter who likes that kind of stuff, I often found myself traveling with this, a hot pink Vera Bradley bag. There it is, all right? And I sucked it up, this true story, until one day airport security in Newark stops me, and the guy goes, sir, is that your bag? I was like, yes. He's like, that's your bag. I was like, yes, it is. He goes, Jerry, look, we got a fashionista here, you know? Again, I don't care about appearances, you know? But I went home and I told Colin, she remembered that, and one day she came home from J. Crew and she goes, guess what? This is for you. I was like, a big boy's bag? Yeah, a big boy's bag. And she gave me that bag. You know what? It wasn't pricey, but it was personal. It made me felt known and cared for and loved by my wife. It was also a splurge. It's just something I'd never buy for myself. I don't buy that kind of stuff. If your spouse is a gift receiver, surprise them for no reason at all. Bring home a potted plant or their favorite cupcakes. Pick up a pizza for dinner. Budget money for little extras here and there to fill their love tank. And here's a tip. Keep a gift list in your smartphone. Are you like me, kind of like, you know, your, your mind's a sieve, you're like, oh, I wish I had thought of something. Every time you hear your spouse say, oh, you know, I really like that, or I'd love to try that someday, record it in your smartphone. That's what I do. I just record voicemails and I boomerang it, which probably cancels out now. That, that's my technique. Uh, but they say that, you know, uh, listen carefully. You will compile a list and it will come in handy when a special occasion rolls around because you won't be scrambling. They will actually say, oh, are you, me, me, how, did, how did you know? How do you, how'd you remember that? I know because I care, and I remember it because I love you. That's what a love language does. The one that I want to kind of highlight now is this hourglass that's been ticking since I've been talking, and there's not a, a lot left, but that is quality time. And I'm going to let the sand pass through because it really is all about giving the gift of your full, undivided, uninterrupted intention. You're giving them the gift of time. You're all there. Here's what it means. The TV is off. Your fork and knife are down. Your cell phone is away. All other tasks are in standby so you can do one thing. Spend QT, quality time together. Sharing thoughts and feelings face to face. No screens, no distractions. Your souls connect your known. Now here's the deal. Quality time is not most entertainment activities. It is not sitting on a couch watching TV. When you spend time that way, HBO, Netflix, they have your undivided attention, not your spouse. But it's about doing something together that promotes a two-way conversation, 
focus attention, where you're maintaining eye contact, and you're actually listening, guys, for feelings, not just facts. There's an exchange of emotions going on, and that's a powerful expression of love for almost every human being. If you take time and you go through the Gospels, I printed these in your notes, you can look them up when you get home, you're going to see Jesus invest in tremendous amount of quality time with his disciples. He wanted to be known. He wanted to be known intimately by them. And you can look at these scriptures, but you'll see Jesus is always peeling away to spend quality time first with his father and then with his disciples. Because even though he was training them for ministry, he realized they need to spend time face to face to feel his heart. So here's a question for you. Do your spouse and kids or friends get upset when you don't stop your work, what you're doing, to spend dedicated time alone with them? Or are you always multitasking? What's that, sweetheart? Checking texts, doing dishes, or do you give them your undivided attention? Quality time ranks second and third on the list for both Colin and I, so it's important to both of us. And we do a few things that always highlight quality time for us at Priority. We always take walks. We take a walk at least once a week together. No kids, no phones, just we walk, no matter how cold it is. Secondly, we meet at a coffee shop or a restaurant at least once a week. We net, we, away from work, <laughs> away from the kids. And then we schedule one weekend away every single quarter. I used to be reactive, wait till we were all, you know, toast and burnt out, and then I would do it. But now I proactively schedule that before because we both have plate loads of work. We are both have heavy schedules. But quality time is like oxygen to our marriage. She's got a ton of girlfriends. I'm ADD, so we got to be intentional about focused time together. Last week, we actually had a little breakthrough. She's into home decorating. She's been kind of focused on our daughter because our daughter's tall and her room's small and all that stuff. And she watches all those HGTV shows, you know, the design shows. Like, here's how you can transform the room. And I, honestly, I don't care. I don't pay that much attention. Not a passion for me. Uh, but last week, I could hear the stress and the worry in her voice over this. And so I actually put down my laptop. I was doing emails. And I bored down and drilled in. And I looked at the room designs and all this stuff. And we sketched some stuff out. It took about 90 minutes. And at the end of it, I will never forget this. She just looks and she goes, thank you. She goes, I feel like you're finally in this with me. You're in this with me. That's the message of quality time. That's the magic. Because the other person says, I finally see, you know, you're interested and you're available. Now, men, this can be hard for us to visualize at times, and I want you to understand what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean you just sit there and stare into each other's eyes. Quality time. It means you're typically doing something together, but you're giving your full emotional investment to your spouse. You actually lean in and you listen to your partner. What she's saying behind what she's saying, or you ask questions that draw him out if he doesn't speak too much. And guys, understand, when you talk, you're not trying to solve anything for the woman. You're just trying to relate to her. Again, very hard for guys to understand because we're trained to analyze problems, create solutions, but marriage is not a problem to solve. It is a relationship to experience. And most often, the woman wants you to feel what she's feeling, what brings her joy, what causes pain. Even if she's hurting or she has a problem or she's stressed or she's struggling, she doesn't want you to fix her. She wants you to feel her. See if this looks familiar. It's just there's all this pressure, you know? And sometimes it feels like it's right up on me and I can just feel it, like literally feel it in my head, and it's relentless, and I don't know if it's gonna stop. I mean, that's the thing that scares me the most, is that I don't know if it's ever gonna stop. Yeah. Well, you do have a nail 
in your head. It is not about the nail. Are you sure? Because, I mean, I'll bet if we got that out of there. Stop would... trying to fix it. No, I'm not trying to fix it. I'm just pointing out that maybe the nail is causing- You always do this. You always try to fix things when what I really need is for you to just listen. No, see, I don't think that is what you need. I think what you need is to get the nail See, out. you're not even listening now. Okay, fine. I will listen. Fine. It's just, sometimes it's like, there's this achy, I don't know what it is. And I'm not sleeping very well at all. And all my sweaters are snagged. I mean, all of them. Yeah, I, that sounds really hard. It is. Thank you. Ow! Oh, come on. Ow. If you would just don't. Try to see things my way. Do I have to keep on talking? You can work it out. It's not about the nail, the better off you'll be. Guys, when a woman's hurting, she doesn't want advice. She wants sympathy. Don't try to fix her. She'll fix you, man. The sooner you realize it's not about the issue, you're going to speak her native tongue. you got to lean in and let him or her understand. You understand the hurts, the stress, the pressures of life. That's what quality time is. It's intimacy. You see into me, and it's scary, guys, but it's worth it. A relationship calls for back and forth with the goal of understanding your partner's feelings and emotions, and that can be hard. Because Chapman notes that there are basically two different personality types. There's the Dead Sea and the Babbling Brook. You guys know what the Dead Sea is in Israel, right? It's the, the lake where water goes in, but nothing comes out. The Dead Sea personality is the man or woman who doesn't really say much. They're happy not to talk. They like to keep quiet, let the other person talk. Nothing comes out of them. But the other personality type is the Babbling Brook. Whatever they see or, or feel or experience, they got to immediately tell somebody about it. And it comes right back out of their mouth, and they need to let others know how they feel. They're verbal processors. And the problem is, many times, a dead sea will marry a babbling brook. Because when they're dating, it seems like a perfect match, right? If you're a dead sea and you date a babbling brook, you will have an amazing date. Because you're like, I don't even have to worry how to start the conversation, like how to carry on with this and everything. She, she does all the talking. All you have to do is nod your head and go, uh-huh, uh-huh. And you'll have an amazing time the whole evening. And you will go home and you will say, what an incredible woman. And the babbling brook will go home happy and she will say, he is amazing. We talked for three hours and he listened the whole time. The problem happens five years into marriage. Because that day then the babbling brook wakes up and he says, you know what? We've been married five years and I feel like I don't know him. Or the Dead Sea will say, you know what, I know her too well, and I wish she would just stop the flow once in a while and so give me a break sometimes. The good news is that Dead Seas can learn to talk, and babbling brooks can learn to listen. As we sacrifice to speak your partner's love language, new patterns of intimacy are possible, but you have to be intentional. So here's your challenge. If your spouse's love language is quality time, I want you to think of an activity that your spouse enjoys but brings you little pleasure. What's one thing your spouse enjoys that you're like, I'm really not into that? Going to a craft show, you know, attending a college football game or nature photography. I want you to tell them this week, say, you know what? I'm trying to broaden my horizons, and I'd love to do that with you this month. And I want you to go all in. The activity is incidental. You are giving them the gift of time together. Now, as you can see, we are out of time. But suffice to say, a person whose final love language is physical touch is very touchy. Holding hands arm around the shoulder, hugs, massages, always to show care and affection. It's interesting, research shows that babies who are held and stroked and kissed actually have a healthier emotional life than those who are left for long periods of time without physical contact. You guys know this, if your parents, kids love to cuddle with mommy, 
or wrestle with daddy or ride on his back. And though it diminishes when they're teenagers, it never goes away. For some adults, physical touch is their primary love language. And without it, it doesn't matter what you say, it doesn't matter what you do. They feel unloved. They, they want to know it. They're emotionally secure in the arms of their spouse. And again, guys, I just say this. Physical touch doesn't always have to lead to the bedroom, okay? Sometimes a back rub is just a back rub. That's from Proverbs 2. I, w- <laughs> I, I won't go into the, into the sexual aspect this week because next week you're actually going to hear from a woman's perspective on relationships. I've invited a special guest. Her name is Jackie Kendall, and she is a Christian speaker and author of Lady in Waiting and A Man Worth Waiting For. And I invited Jackie to Liquid to close out our series with a message entitled, How to Affair-Proof Your Marriage. She is actually going to be teaching about a man's top five needs, a woman's top five needs that need to be met in order to affair-proof your relationship. And Jackie is a ton of fun. She's very energetic. And after 40 years of marriage ministry, she knows the secret to marriage that she said lasts longer than a breathment. That's her, that's her line. So you invite a friend next Sunday to hear a woman's perspective on these issues. But this week, you guys got homework, all right? Obviously, I've hit the tip of the iceberg here, and I can recommend to you Gary Chapman's book, Five Love Languages, uh, hardly to any couple who wants to drill down deeper, but you don't even have to buy the book to benefit. A great place to start is to go home today, and this afternoon, you take that online survey at fivelovelanguages.com with your partner. The link's in your bulletin. It takes less than 10 minutes, and you don't even need a partner. You can do it for singles. They even have one for kids and for teens, which we're doing with our kids. And you may be surprised by what you discover. Because for Kyle and I, it confirmed some things, but it opened up this whole new conversation about how we can serve one another better. It's, 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 look, guys, it's romantic to assume that your partner should just know how to love you, but it's unrealistic. And it's even a bit unfair to expect that if you're unwilling to communicate how you receive love best. This is a chance to become bilingual this spring and serve your spouse like Jesus. So talk about the results together, and then I want you to ask him a dangerous question. Hey, sweetheart, honey bunch, what can I do to fill your tank this week? Is it active service, uh, quality time? You, you, want, you want to ditch the kids and go out for ice cream together? <laughs> it can be a fresh way to stimulate your relationship. As Jesus told his followers in John 13, he says, a new command I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must say it together, church. Love one another. And by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. If you what? Love one another. This spring, learn a new love language. Because when you do it motivated by Christ, it doesn't matter how your partner responds. If they reciprocate, if they understand, it doesn't matter. Because when one person in a relationship makes the sacrifice to change, guess what? The relationship itself inevitably changes too. Love deepens, it grows, and Christ gets the glory. Amen? Let's pray together. Bow our heads, all our campuses. God, we thank you that you are, um, Lord, I don't even know how to say it, bilingual, trilingual. You speak all of our love languages, God, but we see it demonstrated most powerfully in Jesus Christ on the cross. Father God, that's what love looks like. It's a laying down of our life and putting the needs of our partner ahead of ourselves. And so, God, I pray now that you'll send the Holy Spirit, Lord, for the men and women. Give them new thoughts. Give them new desires and dreams, actually, to sacrifice for the ones you've called them into commitment to. I pray, Lord, for all the marriages. I pray for the singles here, Father God, that they would be even speaking some of these languages as they date one another and honor you in the process. We ask all these things that all glory goes to Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Everyone said together, amen. 
Thanks for listening to Liquid Church Media. If you were inspired or challenged by today's message, we hope you'll tell a friend. For more content, log on to liquidchurch.com or visit one of our campuses in the New Jersey metro area. Liquidchurch.com, where truth is relevant and grace wins.